Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Teen It Up with CND. I'm your host, Connor, uh, coming at you a day later than normal, but another good episode with good sports topics in the sports realm of the world. But first, we say hi to our fellow co-host, Vladimir. What's going on, man? What's new? Not much. Um, Kind of, I don't want to say getting into the holiday spirit because Christmas is in a week or less than a week at this point if it's the 19th and it doesn't really feel like it. But kind yeah. of getting into it, I've uh, started kind of the, the Friendsgivings, the Secret Santas, the, the White Elephant. Friendsgivings is for Thanksgiving, guy. You know what I mean? It's the, the, the gift exchange bullshit. I, I, I'm not I'm not good with pronouns. Um, <laughs> but I've been starting that. Other other than that, though, uh, been good. Uh, the last couple of days, my wisdom teeth have been greatly hurting. And it might be time for Ooh. me to finally pull them, which is rather unfortunate. But we'll see what happens. That's all um, right. But in the sports realm, honestly, Saturday was a huge day for us as Spartan and Lion fans. So yeah. I, I don't really want to delay it too much further. I'll turn it over to you. How have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, I've been good. The uh, I, I'll comment on the, the toothache and the um, wisdom teeth. I think that's blown out of proportion on how bad that is. Uh, it's a piece of cake, I think, with all the uh, medical operations they have now. I will say I got my... Uh, tonsils taken out as a I wouldn't say an adult but a fully grown person I think it was right before COVID so I was 20 21 um, and that was a hundred times worse than getting your wisdom teeth pulled so I'll, I'll always live by that hill okay, uh, I'll keep that. that in mind I wouldn't know but yeah um, as, as, as someone who's had both operations done to me um, but I'm all right um, final season is over. Today was my last final. I do have a paper that I've been vehemently working on all afternoon uh, as we record this Tuesday evening. Um, that's due tomorrow, Wednesday evening for those watching, and it'll be officially over. Uh, I've struggled to get into the holiday spirit, kind of just studying 12 hours a day for the last like week and a half, two weeks. Um, so all my Christmas shopping has yet to be done. That'll all get done Friday and Saturday before Christmas. Um, I don't like to be one of those people. When I was not in school, my for my year that I was in between undergrad and uh, grad school, I was super good about getting presents, you know, relatively early on in December around Thanksgiving time. Um, and then just be this being final season, the holiday season has kind of ruined that. So hopefully once I'm out of school, I'll get back, back on track with that. Um, I still have lots to do there. Uh, like you said, though, Saturday, a big day for us as sports fans um, and the teams we root for. So I think we should just kind of get right into it. Um, we'll start with the first game of the day for our fandom, uh, Michigan State basketball. Where were they? They come out and they look like the 96-97 Bulls. They look like the Harlem Trotters. They look like the Dream Team. Um, the the tied for worst start in Tom Izzo's career um, takes a 28 point halftime lead against the number six team in the country um, at a neutral site. I know it was in Detroit, but at a neutral site. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know how if you if you got to watch the game um, and your thoughts on just the absolute explosion that was because I do have some couple of notes that I think um, are, are 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 good to look forward to. Obviously, they won again. Last night against a sneaky, solid Oakland team, took care of business, beat them by 20. Um, so it looks like they're 6-5 and five now on the right track. Yeah, I mean, that's a massive victory that I don't want to go as far as to say probably saves your season, but definitely did something where if you're three months down the line and you're one of those bubble teams at 17-12, and 12, they're gonna, the, com- the committee, the selection show is going to sit there and say, oh, well, they beat Baylor. That's a quad one win. And... Look, I, I've said it before. It's all good if you schedule all these tough games and prepare your team. But you got to win some of them, and they finally yep. did that. And they didn't just win. I mean, they killed them. Um, it felt awesome. I mean, you say neutral site. I say potato. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It felt – but to your point, though, it did kind of feel like a first weekend tournament game in the sense that you're not playing with a logo on the floor. Yeah. And – I don't want to say stakes, though, because A, it's not a tournament game, and B, we were up by 45 within 13 seconds, so it was never necessarily close, but it did kind of have that just 
maybe first round or second second round first round game where the 16 team is beating the breaks off the or the one team is beating the 16 team just silly so yeah it had the visual of that too i know like it wasn't exact it's hard to fill a 20,000 capacity stadium for a college basketball game in december um but it kind of had that vibe as well like the half emptiness of that uh obviously it's you know double the size of the Breslin. So that that makes sense on that part, but uh, just kind of going into the point you made. Um, as far as the actual basketball, I kind of wanted to start with, they look more like an Izzo team. And I think one of the biggest criticisms I've had with this team over the first few weeks of the season is that they, while they may have talent and got and a lot of experience, it seems like a lot of guys that have experience being non-leaders and being on losing, I guess not losing because they're always above 500, but not Michigan State-esque teams. Uh, and it's reiterated itself into a lot of finger pointing as far as leadership. Uh, but this looked like an Izzo team where guys were confident. They ran. They played good defense. They got rebounding from the big guys. Um, it was it, it was something we haven't seen from this team that they looked like an Izzo team. Um, and, and they really made it hard on early on Baylor was not taking open shots. They were missing a little by a lot. Uh, and they were forcing turnovers early. They were a lot of running both on both sides of the ball. And then, I mean, once you went on that 27 to three run, you know, with eight minutes left in the first half, of the game was over, but that stretch looked like an Izzo team. And it was nice to see that against the quality opponent. Yeah. Uh, shots falling. I think you mentioned shots that falling. kind of the, the, I don't want to say the Showtime Lakers, but the Showtime Lops to Cohen Carr were yeah. entertaining. You, you even had some of the other ones. Carson Cooper had a couple of kind of lobs. I feel like I think Mati Sissoko had one or two. So, yeah, it was – I don't know what happened to Baylor because that cannot be the sixth-ranked team in America. Maybe we caught them on their worst yep. day. Maybe they, they shouldn't be there because they, they don't play a Michigan State-type schedule and they beat up on all the division yep. – or all the low majors and the, and the D2 schools in the start of the year. But – Whatever it was, they need to keep it rolling. Obviously, you mentioned they beat Oakland last night. They do have a stretch here of two, three, four games around the holidays against the low major schools, as we talk about. Get the wins, get up to eight and four or eight and five. Yeah, eight, get up to eight and five and then just get ready Nine for Big five. Ten play. Yeah, whatever it might be. I mean, they already shot themselves in the foot in Big Ten play starting 0 and 2. Yeah. So see what you can do to claw your way back. I mean, Purdue looks great and they have a guy that you we think we have no answer to because. We've always said anyone with a big man gets us trouble, but yep. So that's a good point. I don't think we play him until uh, late. I, I kind of wanted to get into it. Baylor is you mentioned it that the schedule wasn't great. They hadn't played another ranked opponent. Michigan State obviously isn't that, but um, maybe a class above what they've played. And they had one seven footer who was a freshman who was really only there for the lob and to play defense, kind of like our big guys. Uh, so I thought we matched up super well with them. I'm not trying to take anything away from what they did, but that was a favorable matchup for Michigan State in terms of not a dominant big game. Their best player were, were best players were their point guard and their three guard or their sh- small forward, which is kind of how it is um, with us. Um, so I thought we matched up well in that sense. And again, like you said, shots are falling. Shots aren't going to fall like that, but they're also – this was, I mean, this is the third best three-point shooting team in the country last year, and to turn into one of the hundredths in the hundredths best best team this year, that was going to change at some point. Uh, are they going to sprinkle like that stretch Tyson Walker made four in a row? I think it was. No, probably not. Um, but it is good to see, and like you said, it it it, it could be so monumental because you say you get that big win. And then you go play some low majors where hopefully you continue that momentum. And while maybe not playing the best competition leading into Big Ten play, you're gaining confidence after a big win um, going into Big Ten to play uh, and maybe getting back on track with, I believe, Penn State is their first Penn, Big Ten game who's horrible this year. So I, I don't have too much more to add. Uh, this will become kind of a weekly segment as we get into the – this, not say the dog days of football with it being less and less, but this as the season becomes to matter and as they start playing more and more games, we'll be talking about them. Do we want to get to you? I know you wanted to bring up the Red Wings. Do we want to bring that up before we get to the NFL? Yeah, that was also another thing that happened Saturday. Uh, and again, Monday, I, I, I mentioned kind of went in depth about the Patrick Kane signing um, 
you know, since then, I'll, I'll reiterate the entire um, sequence of events since then. Uh, obviously, I talked about the Larkin thing a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Wings are, uh, I believe, five oh five. Sorry, one five and one since uh, Kane has entered the lineup. He has four points in those seven games, three of them assists. Two of them last night in a four-three loss to one of the worst teams in the NHL, in the Anaheim Ducks. Um, he looks fine. I, I don't think he's necessarily. I think there was some unreasonable. He's going to be a superstar. Uh, it's still only two weeks since he's returned, so I'm, I'm not necessarily too worried about him. Uh, what I am worried about is now the guys are starting to get healthy. Uh, this losing can't continue to happen. Uh, they're now officially one point out of a playoff spot. And yeah, there's 50 games left, 48 games left, whatever it is, over half a season left. So I may be over-exaggerating. Um, but this team just isn't good. They Defensively, they can't get the goaltending when they need it. Uh, Alex Lyon has been hurt. Billy, Billy Husso has been bad, and he got hurt again last night. Uh, so the additions of injury, on top of the fact that they have seven defensemen and maybe five of which are actually defensively competent in the NHL right now, uh, and they can't get a save. Uh, they can't get that big save. It's not that Huso or Lyon or how James Reimer, even though he shouldn't be on a roster at this point in his his uh, twilight days. Um, it's not that they're – it's bad goaltending, but good goaltending is making the stops that you have to make and then bailing your teammates out once in a while. And we just can't seem to get that save. Uh, and when we play better teams and better competition, that's hurt. What's really worried about me, about me, I mentioned worried me, and I mentioned that it's early in the season and people are maybe freaking out a little too much. What does worry me uh, is the fact that a lot of these losses are to bad opponents. Uh, you played a bad bad one nothing loss to Philly on Saturday night. You lost to the Ducks, who are easily one of the worst teams uh, in the league on Monday night. Um, and the schedule only gets harder. I know there's Boston, Florida, um, and Dallas down the line here the rest of the month that if you don't get on track quickly, the way the East is shaping up um, with a lot of teams still in the hunt, basically everybody besides um, maybe Montreal and Ottawa still in the hunt. Um, it's just not going to, it's not going to result in the playoff and it's frustrating and I think expectations went so high to so low so fast for Red Wings fans that uh, it seems like we're down in the dumps a little more than we should be. Um, but, yeah, that's the state of the Wings right now. It's frustrating. Um, and hopefully they can be get back on track tomorrow, uh, I think, is the next game. Yeah, uh, we will cover the Pistons. Uh, they are all-time bad. We're just going to kind of let them – get to breaking the streak. Here's, here's because... a Pistons recap. Pistons lose. Okay. Yeah, but we got to talk about how they lose and why they lose because it is actually kind of entertaining. I was looking a little bit about it, and I'll get into that probably next week, but let's get to the NFL. This is kind of where the the Lions, the big topic. Do we want to start with them? Where are your thoughts? Uh, let's just do general, general NFL, okay. uh, and then we can end with the Lions this week. All right. Where, where, which of our topics are we starting with? Uh, game of the week. Vikings, Bengals. That was mine. Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of a a given. You, you had a game go to overtime, one of the two of the week with the Texans and Titans. This one, though, was a little bit more than just a field goal fest, which we always like seeing that. And it just it was an entertaining kind of way it was played. Jamar Chase goes out. We know Joe Burrow's dead. This Jake Browning Lynn Sanity run continues with a massive fourth quarter just to get to overtime. And I mean, there's a couple of things I wanted to bring up about it. First off, I know I've been kind of harping on this to, to to group chats with friends. Nick Mullins did what I think is one of the dumbest things a quarterback can do. When you're getting sacked, just get sacked. Mm. What it, like you're, you're getting twisted around by another human being. You don't know which way you're facing. You're falling down. Just fall down with the ball. Stop trying to do these Patrick Mahomes, suicide, triple Tony Hawk, pro skater, 720, twisty turns that somehow work out for him because he's better than you. Because you're not him. And it cost him the game. We saw Trevor Lawrence do it. It didn't necessarily cost him the game because they couldn't really move the ball on Baltimore anyway. But Trevor Lawrence does the same thing. If you're getting tackled, just get tackled. 
it, it's okay to live for another down. We've said that about many quarterbacks who try and force throws. Same goes for the guys who don't want to accept a sack. Just get tackled sometimes. Aaron Rodgers made a living of this for 15 years. All right, cool. No one's here. Falls out. I'll get you on the next play. Yep. It's not, I mean, again, it's Nick Mullins. It's not, we're not talking about the superstars of the league. So maybe the expectations should be lower, but I just hate when I see quarterbacks give the ball away under a stupid condition. Was that one of the world's shortest interceptions? Uh, probably. He threw it right at the dude's head. I mean, it was maybe a flip forward. <laughs> yeah, he threw it right at the dude's head. Um, the one thing I will say is that game was huge for the for the Lions. They they yep. played, I believe, right before we did. I think they were – no, they were the early game, weren't they? They were the early game. Okay, yep. well, not that that should really matter to the Lions players, but they were the early game. By the time the Lions kicked off, I think it, it was obviously known, hey – the Bengals did us a very, very big favor. Now, granted, the Bengals are not some charity team. They're playing for a playoff push themselves. But with the Vikings losing and kind of the Lions, we'll get into them. But that opened the door for us, gave us a little breathing room. I think it maybe loosened us up because we we were coming off of a month and a half, two months of just incomplete games from one side or the other. Massive. Yeah, I mean, and we'll talk about the Lions and what their win is as a statement for them moving forward. But the win in conjunction with the way the Vikings lost um, kind of totally changed the narrative on the Lions uh, season. I think uh, both those in combination really changed the narrative. Um, the Vikings, I don't know how you feel about them with Nick Mullins as the quarterback and perhaps Justin Jefferson out. I'm not necessarily sure on his status. Um, but obviously the Lions played them. What? JJ? Yeah. He's back. Oh, okay. Uh, the last two, obviously the Lions played them two of the last three weeks of the season here. You just got to win one if you're the Lions. But I've gone so back and forth, and I kind of was the uh, – as when they got off to that slow start was the believer in the Vikings. I said they were going to beat the Lions at least once, if not twice this year. I believe very early on in the – probably probably the offseason, probably even before the season. Um and I still and I and now I've kind of jumped off the bag and bandwagon of believing the Vikings have any shot against us. Yeah, and to be honest, it doesn't even necessarily matter because we win one of the three games. It doesn't even I mean granted you would expect Dallas to be the least likely game we win of the final three. If we win one of three games, there's nothing Minnesota can do about it. They can finish ten right. and seven all they want. They'll be a not on the outside looking in. They'll be a wild card team and we'll probably play them, but they will not be hosting a playoff game. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to keep talking about this because I feel like we're just straying our way into the Lions and we'll yeah, sure. on our own. So one thing we didn't mention from this game, T Higgins catch. Oh, T, he, so he's, he's someone that I'm not, I'm not going to say slept on, but I've always kind of wondered if you're not the best receiver on your own team, how good can you actually be? And he's really, really good at football. Yeah. Yeah, that's just an all-time heads-up, athletic, athleticism-type play to be able to do that. Yep. Um, impressive, something we won't see for a while. Um, for those that didn't see it, he obviously basically backflipped his arm back um, to get to the pylon with about 30 seconds left to force overtime. After catching the ball, he had no business catching. He, I mean, yes. he just went up there, mossed the dude, had no bit. I mean, that ball should have been batted away or picked off on kind of a – suicide desperation throw and he did what a 6-4 receiver does he high pointed yep. it comes down he's getting tackled watch this fall over my head fall over my uh my shoulder into the end zone it was crazy uh surprise of the week uh the indianapolis colts that's also mine <laughs> well look at us go um now nah, the colts for me are a team where We've talked about the Jags and how we expected them to win the division. We've talked about the the Texans because C.J. Stroud was sensational. We've never talked about the Colts. And now no. maybe because Anthony Richardson is dead and Gardner Minshew's not as sexy. He's not the rookie. He's the backup. Maybe it's because J Jonathan Taylor has been in and out of the lineup. Maybe it's because Shaq Leonard gets cut. This team is 8-6. and six. They're tied for the division lead. They're right in there with every other team in the AFC competing for a playoff spot. And they've got everything in front of them. Their last three games go Falcons, Raiders, Texans. I mean, 
the Falcons, I'm looking at it right now, they're actually a one-point underdog to the Falcons, which I don't know if I believe it because I think the Falcons are frauds because Arthur Smith is an idiot, but that's different. The Raiders, I know they just had that colossal win, but they were playing against a team that quit. So there's there should be no reason why the Colts can't go into Week 18 playing for a division title. No, and they just – and it's one of those things where uh... – Still, you still don't look at the roster and go, this is a team that can go deep in what the AFC is this year, but it's a team that plays good, sound football. Like they're just solid. There's a very solid team that you don't want to see in a wild card round at this point, as opposed to some of the other teams kind of in that mix. I know uh, I actually have some, I actually had a couple of teams that I, I put, we'll get into our fraud segment, but I also had two teams that I took my off fraud watch and the Colts are one of them. I yep. think they're genuinely a solid option in the AFC. They can play anybody tough. Gardner Menchu, while not, like you said, sexy, um, gets oh, the like, job. He is sexy. It. That mustache, that mustache is sexy. Yeah, he actually is kind of like, for crazy football nuts like us, he actually is kind of a sexy player to watch because it's just so not sexy, if that <laughs> makes sense. Um, the way he just kind of scrambles around, the way he goes about everything. I mean, yep. the man at Washington State, so he could, I want to say, so he could get a medical red shirt. He like got himself like hammered, drank like a whole bottle of Jack Daniels and took a hammer to his hand so he could get a medical red shirt in college. I mean, that's I the kind of talking that's about. That's amazing. Is that, is that true? That is, that, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yep. Um, and I will say about the Colts too. What do you think Ursay is thinking about spending uh, $10 million on Jonathan Taylor at this point. Do you think he wishes he spent that money on transporting another whale? I mean, I don't think he got to transport the whale the first time. I think it died before it made its way oh, okay. out to the West Coast. But you are absolutely correct. And I know we, I think we talked about this when we were watching the Lions game together. Why? I, I genuinely don't know if a running back will ever, ever get a second contract again. Yeah. And, and, and it's, uh, the other example right now, and he hasn't, he's missed a couple of weeks, but has been healthy of a guy who got a contract this summer is Saquon. And I know that things have really fell apart for the Giants. No, they tagged him. They, no, I, no they, I thought they gave him a contract. I thought it was a one year deal, though, with just like a couple extra incentives as opposed to a multi year thing. I might okay. be mistaken. And I, I, I was Giants wrong with guy. that. I, that actually sounds right now that you're saying it, but that was my other point you're going to, I was going to make is another guy like him. Um, as, as he and he's such a weird one too because he is so talented with the eye test, but that team is so bad around him that he has a minuscule effect on the actual game because he's a running back. Unfortunately, yep. no, it's 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 an incredibly tough business. I know I've said this online uh, on Twitter. I think we might have brought it up before. Um, I believe that with the way it's going and kind of the way they're getting thrown away, I don't think this is possible because then every position group will want the same thing, but. If you show up in the first two years of your contract, you play at or near an all-pro level the way Jonathan Taylor did in his first two, you should be allowed to opt out of your contract and you should be able to sign a real second one. That, that's I understand that every position group's going to say, well, I want my money faster. If I'm yeah. good off the gate, I understand that CBAs don't work like that, but it's going to get to a point where why would you ever want to play the position? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 and again, it is purely a thing that's negotiated for in a CBA, those types of stipulations and contracts. But uh, I agree that I think, I think at some point with the way the game is trending, you have to, you're right. You just have, I mean, otherwise you're going to get what it's going to turn into. I think is this guys like Debo Sam, Samuel who say I'm a receiver. And so they get paid like a receiver, even though their role, you could kind of argue on any given Sunday is either position. Uh, and I think you're going to see guy, more guys try to do that or try to put themselves in a position where they can be deemed like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually really glad you brought up because I was going to, as soon as you stopped talking, if you hadn't mentioned it, I was going to say it's going to turn into a bunch of Debo Samuels who claim their receivers but line up in the backfield on any given number of plays. I could, Yeah, I could see that. Just the entire position dies out. Because, I mean, you've got receivers who, once the market's reset with Justin Jefferson here, I think next offseason, he'll probably be getting $35 million. Oof. Justin Jefferson will get $35 million most likely, and there won't be a single running back getting paid more than 12. Because I think no. at some point, some po I mean, a Derrick Henry's pretty much done, and 
I mean, he might be one of the few examples of a second contract that work out, worked out because the Titans did get so much out of him. McCaffrey's yeah. contract, he is an outlier. He's the unicorn. He's such an outlier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he <laughs> – I don't know if you saw – I think it was Cowherd. He, he called him the most talented running back ever, and I understand we weren't alive for – Sanders, Barry. Emmett Smith, and in to a large extent, even Ladanian Tomlinson. I think, he, I mean, he was, yeah. I, I watched him, but not as an adult who can kind of look at play style. I just kind of watched him and said, oh, he's going, look, running back. It's cool. LT. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I can't really disagree with, he's definitely the most talented running back I've ever seen. Yeah. He, he's incredible. But, and even then, I mean, maybe this is just a San Francisco thing. Although he was kind of this player in San Fran or uh, Carolina, but even then his role, look at his role. It's not what I would call the traditional running back. Yeah, he he does catch a lot of passes. They do run that crazy scheme behind Trent Williams, and I guess that's another thing that's nice for a running back's career is hey, can I run behind Trent Williams? Or yeah, can right. I run behind Trent Williams because that dude's a maniac. Look, it, look, look at what just happened there. Though we just talked ourselves out of the best running back in our generation deserving a second like deserving the praise that he's gotten oh i'm um, not saying he no he absolutely did. deserves that but i'm just saying, saying that's the state out. of the running back position yeah you can, you can easily do that to someone as talented as mccaffrey to your initial very first question that started this entire kind of uh just absolute sideshow yes jim ursay definitely is like why <laughs> give in to the social media pressure why did i pay this man zach moss does just as well when he's right. playing now granted zach moss has also missed time he does just as well when he's playing. I mean, Trey Sermon has looked all right running out of that backfield. So what are we – I mean, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, so I guess moving on, our next segment, Fraud of the Week. I have three teams written down, and they're kind of in order of how fraud I think they actually are. All right, go ahead because I, I got a couple things afterwards. Okay, from least fraud to most fraudulent, I have Eagles – Jaguars, and then Packers as my three frauds of the week uh, in ascending order of how fraudulent they are. I like that. Um, the Eagles, I'll talk just briefly go over all three. The Eagles obviously lose their third straight on Monday night. Um, kind of another, they play, a, like every game they play is just a weird game, wet under the circumstance. I'm, they're still not to the point where I'm really worried about them. But they are to the point where I say, okay, this is not a foregone conclusion like last year that they're going to be playing in a Super Bowl or playing the 49ers in an NFC championship. Now, with that said, they're on the lower scale because I still believe in them as the third best, maybe even second best team in the NFC still. Uh, and they, they're one of those teams, I think they get to the playoffs with all the veterans they have and the experience they have in the playoffs that it's a brand new season for them. And I think they are the second best team on paper in the NFC once we get to the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's a valid point. One thing that's interesting, though, is they might find themselves in a position that last year they didn't find themselves in. And I was looking at this after the loss to Seattle last night. Not that they controlled their own destiny before, but San Fran's got a firm grip on the one seed. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure if I was looking at it correctly, if we win out, if we end up somehow – what is it, 13 and four? I think we get the two seed. How is that possible if I believe we're not the two seed right now? So I'm looking at it. What What's happening is Dallas is, is currently the two seed. We would have the head-to-head tiebreaker over them. Oh, okay. And Philadelphia. Now, again, I'm only going off of the standings that ESPN showing me. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, the first tiebreaker between multiple division winners who didn't play each other is your conference record. Mm. I believe if both teams went out, we would have the same conference record. But as of right now, the Detroit Lions are listed ahead, ahead of the Philadelphia Eagles. And if it stays that way, we've beaten Dallas. It doesn't matter what Philadelphia does. So right. I'm, only, I'm only going off of what I see. I don't know. the I don't have the exact list of rules ahead of me, but there's a shot. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's probably what the difference in playing. I don't know. There's there's a bunch of teams now in the NFC that uh, in that those last two seedings for the wild card that I think can be frisky. Uh, there's a couple of teams still there that I think just like given an opportunity in a playoff game, the Lions would kill as a two seed. But say you're playing that last wild card 
and say it's a it's it's a Seattle that you've struggled with, or it's a it's a Minnesota that you're going to have to beat for per, per, perhaps the third time in four weeks, um, or even a, a team you struggled against like New Orleans, who's playing much better football. Uh, I don't know. There's some friskier teams, or or God forbid the Rams, the way they've played the last few weeks. I, I that was about what I was going to say. Is I think the only team that I look at the kind of the that I don't want to see is the Rams. I know Seattle always gives us fits, but this Geno Smith and Drew Locke thing that's going on, I somehow don't really get scared by it. The mm-hmm. the Vikings on their fourth string quarterback, and yeah. I don't get scared by that. We'll see. That that's a discussion for later time. Um, mm-hmm. For me, my frauds of the week, I had a couple, and they're more so certain things. I talked already about the quarterbacks who try and throw the ball in and getting sacked. Next is Brandon Staley, who lost his job. I believe he's mm-hmm. that makes him the second head coach fired. The team yeah. openly quit um, that Thursday night game. We were joking with friends. Oh, hammer the under, hammer the under, hammer the Oof. under. You're looking at backup quarterbacks and just kind of Keenan Allen out. And I think Josh Jacobs out. And then the Raiders drop a 63 burger on these people's heads, which was insane. But yeah, Brandon Staley, the team quit on you. You're fired. Uh, I think the other thing that makes it worse for him is he he remained defiant until the end. He would always get up there in podiums and say, oh, my defense, it, there, there's no issues with my defense. I'm still calling these plays. I'm great. I'm the head coach. And it's like, dude, it's okay to just step back. That's a great point is he, he came off as a um... – I want to say something a little smarter than know-it-all, but so, someone who kind of always had like an innovative guy who always had to have an answer for everything, you know, yep. with him being super supposed to be super, the super analytical, aggressive coach at the beginning and uh, blowing the playoff game last year. Uh, it just felt like he was a guy that always had felt like he was the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. Um, and my, my last fraud. In the NFL. Yeah. No, my last fraud of the week is Arthur Smith. I mean, we beat this topic. Like oh gosh. Worse. You lose to the one in thirteen or one in twelve Carolina Panthers, and in doing so, this is my favorite stat. Do you know how many touches their their big three offensive playmakers got? So we're 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 saying this is Bijan, London, and, and Pitts. Pitt. Yes, I'm going to say they got ten touches on the dot between the three of them. I mean, unfortunately, a little bit over between all three of them. This counts rushing attempts for Bijan Robinson, which is to me is asinine. 13, mm. 13 times in over the span of an entire game, you gave the ball to your biggest playmakers. That ca- that counts targets too. Like, oh, no, I, I'm not counting the targets. I'm just ca- counting okay. receptions. I, I'm okay. counting pure touches. But if you want to do that, let's make it 15. That doesn't okay. make it any better in my opinion. No. Um, it's funny because Tyler Algier ended up with double the carries that Bijan did. I know, I think Bijan had a stupid fumble. I don't care. It's Bijan Robinson. Let him run the ball. Or if not, trade him away to a team who's going to use him. Or better yet, get fired, bring in an offensive coordinator who can use these pieces and move on. And we'll see what happens with the Falcons. That loss was kind of big for them in the sense that they fall behind both the Buccaneers and the Saints. And I'm of the opinion that if they don't make the playoffs, he's out. And that'll make That is my next question. Okay. That'll probably – hopefully free up those guys until Bill Belichick comes down there and says, yeah, you guys thought it was bad before get a load of this, but yeah, I, I, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think he'd go there, but no. jokes aside, we're one step closer to him getting fired. The, those are my problems of the week. The Arthur Smith thing. Do you think that's purely, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at with Arthur Smith because He's a weird one because he hasn't necessarily been given a team team to work with. He's been given star players to work with, but not necessarily a roster that can win. So it's such a tough situation, but I I, I don't know. The premise of, of not giving the ball to your best players is just illogical, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, sure. There, there's some validity to that is – how involved was he in the drafting of three straight top ten picks on skill positions when you? Yeah, but that's so that's not work? an ex. It's no longer an excuse when yeah. you're not fast players who are give you a better chance to win out there. That's no, no longer use that excuse. I, no, I'm just saying in the sense that like 
is is this a is this an act of defiance from him where he's saying, well, you know what, I don't want these guys, so I'm not going to use them. I, I right. don't know what it, that that's what I guess I wanted to kind of bring to your point of you're right, he hasn't gotten the team team, and I never would have drafted Kyle Pitts at four. I never would have drafted Bijan Robinson at eight. And I probably never would have drafted Drake London to eight as well when that team needed so much help on the def- on the defensive side and the offensive line. But and then he had a quarterback while we're at it because yep. I, I guess you did you, you had Matt Ryan I think at the time when Kyle Pitts was drafted so cool there woo but he was forty get a, get a, get a success so I don't know that the Atlanta Falcons are run like a, like not necessarily a lemonade stand but they're run like a like a spray tan where they want to look the part and look flashy and pretend to sell all these tickets but they don't actually want to win games yeah. Uh, so I, I said I had this off fraud, uh, off my fraud loss team teams that I had not tr- I don't trust um, that I'm now taking off that list. I said the Colts were one, and the other one with I think perhaps the statement probably would have been my surprise if it weren't for the Colts just continued success is uh, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, they're so back. Uh, I, I, we were saying for weeks I think on end about how they were not just simply an average team. And that's why they were a 500 team. They weren't that good. Uh, That was a statement. Never in the McDermott, Josh Allen era, have they run the ball like that. Uh, I think that should be a wake up call for them. It's as just the average fan could see what that did, who James cook is as a player uh, and not to mention it opened things up. I mean, you were beating the Dallas Cowboys who for all intents and purposes are probably the second best team in the NFC by I believe 17 points and Josh Allen had six completions. Yeah. Um I, I know we've I, I've screamed about this where it's run the dang ball. Yeah. You're not gonna beat teams, especially in the important games, going out there like a gunslinger going 35 for 60. Run the football. We, you're right. James Cook has pr- proved to be even better than maybe a lot of people would have thought. Yeah. He is sensational. He's, I mean, talk about a second-year breakout where the first year he was kind of in that running back by committee. Oh, hey, come on for a couple passes. Maybe we'll give you a, a handoff or two and end the game with six touches. I mean, he's fully taken over, and it, it's, it's the James Cook show. That's how it should be. That's how, if in an ideal world, if you want to win important games, I don't need to throw the ball 45 times to win. That's something I, I want my quarterback to be able to do it if we have to, but I don't need him to. And that's how you win the important games. And it's crazy to me that they sit six now. Uh, They're still on the outside looking in season ended today. Uh, They now they finish with uh, Chargers built or Chargers Patriots uh, and then the Dolphins, um, which will probably go two and one to something. So say they go two and one and they sit at that would be 10 and seven. They very realistically could be that last seven seat. If I'm, Miami or Kansas City, I'm scared. To, I don't. I'd almost rather be the three seed. I would rather be whatever seed doesn't have to play yep. Buffalo in yep. the first round. Whatever that takes it to be. If I'm looking at the other teams up here, it's you know these wild card teams: Cincinnati with Jake Browning. I know we talked about the Colts, but the Colts with Gardner Minshew, a rookie quarterback in um, C.J. Stroud. Steelers are done. Screw them. So you know, look at those four teams I just read off. I would be even even the 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 rate or the Browns right now as the five seed um, leading uh, as the first wild card. I would love to play all five of those teams before the Bills at this point in time, especially the statement wins they've just had. Completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, so that's our that's a wrap on this week for the NFL. Uh, we'll go to specifically our favorite team in the NFL: uh, Lions forty-two, Broncos seventeen on Saturday night. A statement win. You could say everything was back. All the complaints people have had for, you know, the last month, maybe even more, kind of got laughed in their face in one full game effort by both sides of the ball. Um, I don't really, like, I don't play so much significance as some other people are having. I think it's just a win against a bad team. Um, I don't, like, you You played much better. And it, it's how we've won all season is, you know, the offense has scored. Maybe not wasn't this dominant after going punt, punt, punt. I believe they went five straight touchdown drives of 75 yards or more. Uh, but that's kind of how they won all season, so I'm trying not to overreact. But it was a needed win. 
in the needed time of the season uh, against a you know I said a bad team, but a team that is also fighting for their lives in the AFC and the Broncos, uh, and you kind of embarrass them uh, and embarrass Russell Wilson and Sean Payton on national television. Yeah, that that's that shouting match was kind of interesting. Um, so I don't remember seeing that watching watching it live. It was after the it was, I I believe it was after that fake offsides call where Vegas right. just decided yes. that they wanted yeah. to. I, I mean, I say Vegas where the refs were. I don't know what they were doing, but. It was after that when they had to end up settling for a field goal. I remember seeing it. I don't remember like I don't remember thinking it was that big of a deal. I was like, all right, cool. Like you know, you're two team leaders, okay. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was so bad. I think for an NFL coaching standpoint, to yell at a, like an established star, yeah, I guess you that's could call also Russell a valid Wilson, point. That it made me, in a rare instance, actually feel bad for Russell Wilson and that man has made it very hard for people to feel that way about him in yeah. any sense of his career. Yeah, I mean, to to talk specifically about the Lions, I mean, you mentioned it. I don't think this game could have come at a better time. Month and a half of bad football from either the offense or the defense, and sometimes both at the same time. Um, clean pocket for Jared Goff. That's something we have not had in at least three weeks from before the Thanksgiving game. The running game was back. It's crazy what happens when you give the ball to Jameer Gibbs, whether we yep. want to talk about running back value or not. The defense was pretty, pretty good. Still got to see more from Aiden Hutchinson if he's going to be the the number two overall pick. But what am I going to do? That's just me complaining because I have to complain. And when you couple it with the help that we got with the Packers falling off a cliff and the Vikings kind of in a game away. Perfect for the Lions. They they can now turn kind of turn their sights set to or set their sights a little bit on the seeding race as opposed to just the hey, are we gonna win this division race? You'd expect them to be able to win one of the last three. And the other thing that I that I saw today, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I saw Hendon Hooker get activated from the reserve slash NFI list. Okay. Um, I don't know if that directly means he's going straight to the active roster, but Riley Patterson was cut during that exchange, so it probably does. For me, this is pretty interesting because if you get to a point where, let's say that Vikings game no longer matters, let's say you go into Minnesota and you beat them, and then Denver kills you, and that or Del- Den- 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 Dallas kills you, and then you're playing that last game for nothing, let's say the seating's already been done, you can get a half a football out of Hendon Hooker if you want. Uh, here's the thing is what I think they would do in that situation is since Teddy Bridgewater has announced he's retiring at the end of the season, I think they would let him have one last hurrah. Yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's also a valid thing. Maybe they just start splitting series in the second half, but I guess what I was just thinking is if they get to a point where week 17 seeding no longer matters because we know the NFC South is going to be way too far below us and maybe the NFC East team is too far ahead of us and we can no longer come back. Go for it. Just see what you have in this kid because we keep talking. He's not talking. a kid. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> see what you have. See what you have talking about in this grandfather. Um, but I guess I just know maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking too far into that simple transaction. But that's something I would like to see in the last week of the season. Yeah, uh, a couple of points you made that I really wanted to reiterate the. Getting the ball to your weapons, I think they got the ball more to JMO or at least got him more touches and still should be getting more looks and touches. And you saw it a couple of times. He ran a route that wasn't just straight down the field and it worked. Um, so we would like to see more of that as a fan. Uh, obviously, Amon Ra, Mr. Reliable all season long for them. Uh, Laporta is right now a top five tight end in the NFL right now. Just yep. had, doesn't drop the ball. It runs hard. I've said this all all year is like he doesn't necessarily wow you when he has the ball in his hands, like maybe a Kelsey or uh, say a Kittle block uh, to compare him to those. But he's old, reliable. He's open. He runs good routes. He has good hands. He's harder to tackle than a receiver. Uh, He just checks off boxes for quality. Um, And he obviously was rewarded with the three touchdown game. As for Goff, I think, that was huge for him above for anyone else on this team. I think it was big for him, uh, not only for his confidence moving forward, but as far as his uh, impression or 
uh, how, how, how he's looked upon by Lions fans, I think. Uh, we were starting to see, like you said, the fact that we even brought up Hendon Hooker, the fact that we're bringing up, you know, bringing in a different guy at the end of the year and not extending him. I think that was uh, a statement in the affirmative that that should not be the case. Uh, and again, I go back to it. Jared Goff is a good quarterback when he has the, a clean pocket and weapons to throw to, and you should pay him to do that and nothing more because, like you said, he is clearly a step below the guys that you pay 50 plus million to Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, he still can't run. I, I, I just worry that against a good, say, I think of the Cowboys and the Eagles specifically, and even the 40, so I just named the three best teams in the NF, NFC. <laughs> I worry in a playoff game when he's, when there's going to be pressure, his inability to even in the slightest, we talked about it earlier. You talked about it at ad nauseum in the opposite of, of guys taking sacks. I think Jared Goff sometimes takes the sack before the sack is even there because he's so immobile. Uh, and it's a little frustrating uh, and worries me in the slightest moving forward for the playoffs. But it, like I say, in the slightest statement game, he looked awesome. Uh, and it, it, like I said, statement for him uh, above all else on that roster. Yeah. Um, I think what you were maybe looking to allude to in the playoffs is when I say, when I was talking about the bills, you want to be able to know that your quarterback can go out and throw 60 passes and you can win you a game, but you don't want to have to do it. Right. I think everyone kind of acknowledges golf is not the guy who can do that and win you the game, but behind a good running game. And when he, when he needs to throw, he can make the throws he needs to make. If you're playing perfectly, if, if something goes haywire and we find ourselves down 14 nothing early in a playoff game to one of the good teams, I think it's good night. Yeah, but, but I just worry that like as he kind of morphs into this, I th- I think his best comparison right now is is a Kirk a prime Kirk Cousins what he's doing right now, uh, but Kirk Cousins didn't win anything. Yeah, so we'll see as we move forward these last couple weeks here and into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, in terms of the Lions, I think that's pretty much everything. Do we want to talk about Richard Mendenhall? I have no idea what that is. That is the guy who came out and called for a segregation bowl and having an all-white and an all-black team. Did you not see any of that, or have you been studying too much? I did not see any of that. Oh, my God. So one of the one of the great jokes of the last couple, couple days, Richard Mendenhall comes out and tweets out that Black people are so much better at football and this and that and how how if it was an all, they should get rid of the Pro Bowl and make it the all black team versus the all white team. And it was entertaining because people kind of took it in the way social media should and they made a joke out of it and they started like forming teams. And that's where I sent this morning the the all white team versus the all black team. And I right. think it's hilarious. Yeah, so uh okay, so First, I'd, I'd had to look up who Rashad Menthol even is, former running back for the Steelers. Yeah, so that was just unprovoked out of the blue. He said, I'm going to choose to just... It was something based off of, I think people were kind of talking up Christian McCaffrey, and he just came out of nowhere, and he's like, I'm better than your goat. And I was like, wow. He probably, people were like, like, what are you talking about? Like, as a... Like, 49ers fans goats he's like no I don't know I don't know who he was calling out I mean the verbatim tweet is I'm sick of average white guys commenting on football y'all not even good at football can we please replace the pro the pro bowl with an all black versus all white bowl so these cats can stop trying to teach me who's good at football I'm better than your goat <laughs> I and, mean and, and 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 right away JJ Watts responding we would get cooked at corner nobody's covering Tyree you got the McAfee show who did an entire segment out. They started drafting teams. You had you had you had so much entertainment. Whatever whoever Will Compton is comes out and starts. He makes a nice long video talking about rosters and parameters of the game and how he thinks it might go. It's hilarious. Yeah, he's a he's a, he's a great follow Will Compton. He's one of the busting with the boys guys. Okay, um, he's a, he's a good follow. But uh, yeah, I, I now you say that I kind of. I've seen some stuff about it, but I did not know the context to it uh, and what's what sparked it. That is, it was it was so funny. Yeah. So, 
So, okay, so this was, he just said this on Twitter, and it yep. wasn't like he was asked a question or anything. And no, he, just, some he just tweeted it out. And, you know, radio that yeah. he probably still does. Tweeted it out, and social media found it and had a night, had a field day with it. It was amazing. So how good of a player was he? Well, he was – I mean, he was a pretty pretty good running back. Um, one of the things that was funny was – I don't know if it was Packer fans who were doing this or, like, the – you're kind of just some of your lunatics, the lunatic NFL fans that you have, but they just started clowning him for his defining moment being fumbling the football during the Clay Matthews hit in the Super Bowl and giving Aaron Rodgers his one Super Bowl. And they're like, is this you? Are you sure? And then he proceeds to say, I'm a champion. So I assume he was on that Steeler team in 05 or 06 that won the Super Bowl in Detroit. But no, he, I mean, he was a good player, I think. Uh, he was on that. He was not on the the Detroit one. He was on the uh, the one where they San Antonio Holmes. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Because uh, he played from 08 to 2013. Yeah, I mean, you got to be a decent player to get five years in the league. Six, six, but he only played four games his rookie year and six his second to last year. That's fine. Four. No, it's not that. It's just it was just really funny. Wanted to bring it up. I know. That's kind of a topic that's been discussed among many people this 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 kind of early part of the week. That's interesting. So I did. Did you know this? I'm I'm on his Wikipedia now. Uh, Mendenhall was a writer and story editor for HBO sports comedy Ballers. A number of scenes from the show were inspired by his own career. Did I did not, not know, know that. that. Ballers is a horrible show, I think. But I think my parents love that. But I, I, I that's the one with the Rock, right? He's the agent. Oh, I believe so. And now that you mention that, they like the show Billions, not Ballers. Okay, that's Billions is a good show. I've seen that. All right, um, I've kind of made it to everything I needed to say. Kind of brought in that extra topic of Richard Mendenhall. I do got to get going for one of those secret Santa gift exchanges I was talking about. So. I am going to, as always, leave, so, leave. leave. You should end the podcast with saying who your Secret Santa is and what you got them since it, it won't air until after the Secret Santa. Uh, I got them. I like that a lot. I'm not going to use the name just because I, I, no need to throw names out. But okay. yeah. I got them a Lululemon headband. But the entertaining <laughs> thing is I put it in a gargantuan-sized box. So it's just they, they're yeah. going to get a nice probably four by four by four box and inside it's just going to be one little headband nice <laughs> so, that yeah, is, that's I'm, pretty good i'm just an idiot but what are you gonna do that's pretty good why the headband is he a hair guy uh no it was just it was something i saw that kind of fit the budget we had thrown so yeah so I felt it would be useful better than some kind of practical joke or something fair enough all right yep. that's a good way to end the pop yeah, I'm, I, I'm just going to say, actually, based off of Saturday, I can confidently say go Lions and go Green. There you go. We're back 